The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good night. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. So the ghosts out in the hall, the paint peeling off the walls. Good night. Sometimes I stand between the sidewalk and the sky. And just staring through the clouds as they pass by You have to leave the ground to learn to fly Good morning, I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. You do have to leave the ground to learn to fly. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com, World Talk Radio with my co-host Lauren Beller-Blake, business coach and CEO of BigFishNation.com. How are you this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I get goosebumps. That's such a great song. Isn't it? The Go more I listen it. to it, the more I love it. I know. It's a, it's. Uh, I like the words, and I also like it just in the instrumentals, which you oh. hear in our, yeah. Nice. You this have, is such a yeah. good pick. Good pick. And you do. You have to leave the ground to learn to fly. I mean, that kind of says it all. And most people, it's like a real, taking that, it's all about risk and, and um Getting out of your comfort zone and getting out of your comfort zone. Well, you got out of your comfort zone, Lauren. You bought a Mac. Someone told me. I am so excited about my purchase yesterday. Yes, I hasn't arrived yet, but yes, I bought a new computer. Why? Why'd you buy a Mac instead of a PC? I have my whole family telling me. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I bought a Mac because of a PC because I fell in love with my iTouch. I'm sorry, my iPhone. My daughter has an iTouch. I have an iPhone, and I think it's the smartest piece of technology ever. It's it's amazing, and I'm thinking if the phone is this amazing, the the computer's got to be amazing too. And I want them to sync really easy. I did the whole mobile me, and yeah, I'm excited. It's, well, it's intuitive. I think, it, and that's what uh, Barry has always said to me. My my significant other, uh, you know, it's a very intuitive way of using a computer. I'm sitting here. I had to come to Albany on business, so I uh-huh. flew yesterday from Cape Cod. Bummer on, for you. Yeah, Cape, well, I flew on Cape Air, though. I decided to make it. It's a bummer to have to leave and it, to have to come back. So then I decided to make the process fun. So uh-huh. I, instead of you know, driving, which is not fun, I booked myself on Cape Air, Cape Air, which is, uh, two minutes from the house that we rent, and Cape Hare seats about eight people on the plane, and it flies from Provincetown, Massachusetts, to Boston. 20-minute flight. Gorgeous nice. flight. Nice. Beautiful. Yeah. And then I caught a flight from there to here, and here I am. But I'm using my, I brought, I decided, should I bring my computer? No. no. I brought my iPad. I, so I am here. Are you loving that iPad? Yes. I almost bought that, too, and I thought, well, let me just tackle one new piece of equipment at a time. The thing about the iPad is, I mean, it is a substitute when you're traveling. I mean, if you don't have to do a lot of work on your computer, but, I mean, it, you just put it in your pocketbook, and it's really easy, and you've got everything there. I mean, right. you know, it's very well, cool. Do you have an iPhone yet? I have an iPhone. I have a Verizon phone. Oh, so you iPhone. don't have an iPhone. 
I do have an iPhone. If it's Verizon, it's, oh, you have both an iPhone and a Verizon phone? Yes. Wow. See, I couldn't decide <laughs> I if I was going to use I, I love my it. iPhone. I think it's amazing. Yeah, it's great. Well, and this is, you know, it's an extension of that, so I'll be curious exactly. to, that you switched over to a Mac because I'm probably going to end up doing that too. I but, just wonder how uh, um, Bill Gates is doing. Why do you say that? <laughs> <laughs> because it feels like the whole world is switching to Macs. That's because you switched and now you feel the whole world is switching. <laughs> so egotistical, isn't it? No, it's called the theory of cognitive dissonance. It's a very, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a theory in social psychology that once you purchase something, once one purchases something, in order to get rid of the dissonance about or the you know the ambivalence about should I have gone to a Mac, should I have stayed with the PC? <laughs> once you get the, then you talk to everybody who has a Mac and you read about everybody having a Mac and you figure the whole world has a Mac, because it, it gets rid of that ambivalence. No, it really is true, though. I mean, everybody I speak to has switched to Macs. Well, you're only speaking to Mac users. I guess. I yeah. guess that's not true. I hear my father still has his PC, but he's switching. My mother, she's switching. My kids all have Macs. Well, I have to ask you, did you, because when I was on my iPad at the airport, um, I this thing came up on AOL that JetBlue attendant who oh, yes lost it. I know. I didn't the understand bag. the whole detail. What did they lose it over? And it was a guy or a girl? It was a guy. Uh-huh. It was a flight attendant. The plane had landed, and you're not supposed to get up from your seat till the plane is actually in the at the gate. Right. And they tell you that a zillion times. Right. Right. What happened was one woman got up, she opened up the overhead bin, and then she, her bag had shifted during the flight, which they always tell you is a possibility, and it fell on the attendant's head. Oh, no. <laughs> and he got so angry, he lost it. It sounded like it. I mean, he really lost it. He started swearing, I guess, like really swearing at her and everybody else, and then he opened up the... Um, one of those exit doors and went out. Because he knew that he couldn't stand around with it inside the plane after he had that episode. Well, one of the things they said he was planning to leave his job, well, now he doesn't have to worry about it. Yeah, I think he's probably done now. His job is over. Oh, but, my, yeah, a little yeah. crazy. Yeah, well, those are stressful jobs. Everyone's complaining and everyone's angry at you, and, you know, I, I couldn't do that. I, I would... That's not a job for me. But anyway, I just thought that was really wild. That was a JetBlue attendant. And, it, <clears throat> and nothing as exciting as that happened to me on my way over here. <laughs> That's probably a good thing. I always think that no no crazy excitement when you're flying is a good thing. Yeah, right, exactly. We have a guest today. She's not going to be on until later in the show, but she is uh, Jody Blanco. Jody Blanco, New York Times bestseller. And the title of her book is Please Stop Laughing at Me, One Woman's Inspirational Story. It's all about uh, cyberbullying and her experience. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, her experience was not with cyberbullying. Her experience was just bullying because it happened about 20 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. She's writing about it now that it's it's, um, more prevalent. What's she... Yeah, it's much more prevalent for a lot of reasons because of cyberbullying, for one thing, because people have access to um, computers and Twittering. And they and stand they behind the all... computer and use it. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, 
she's uh, considered one of the country's preeminent voices on the subject of bullying. Um, Yeah, it's a sad story, but it's an inspirational story. And she's an inspirational speaker, and actually she's written several books. She's on all the talk shows and stuff, including ours. And her website is jodyblanco.com, and it's jody, J-O-D-E-E-E, B-L-A-N-C-O.com. Interesting. Yeah, so uh, we'll be talking to her. And uh, she's doing good stuff because she goes around to all the, to schools and talks to parents and teachers and administrators and kids. And I think she's talking, spoken to over five hundred thousand students. Oh my so, goodness! Uh, well, you know yeah. what? Someone's got to. I just think it's a it's a terrible thing. I think about that with my daughter. Like, don't you know? As a mom, you don't ever want your kid bu- bullied. You know, that's just terrible. Do you ever see it with the kids? Okay, your daughter's four or five. That age group. I mean, do you think it starts at that I age? I mean, you look. Oh my goodness! I can't tell you. When she was, this was before she turned four. She would come home from school. This is preschool. This is a very good private preschool. I'm not going to be your friend, or I'm not inviting you to my party. I'm thinking you've got to be kidding me. It's just crazy. Well, how do you know the difference between? And maybe this is something we should ask Jody. But like, there is a difference between just, I don't want someone to come to my party, just like grown-ups don't invite certain people to their parties. We yeah. don't necessarily tell them we didn't want them there. To When it when it sort of segues over into bullying, it's, it, is it more difficult to, to tell with kids? The difference um, between it? Well, I just think that, you know, kids, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I think that there's a, they don't realize they, at this age, they don't realize they shouldn't be saying it out loud first and foremost. Yeah. You know? Keep it to yourself. Exactly. And the other thing is that they do say things that are, you know, not so nice, and we have to, as adults, have to teach the difference. You know, yesterday this is a perfect example. My daughter is with her new nanny. They're at the park, and she, this is a, I wish I had to, I can actually, I can get it in front of me. Um, she texted me. She says, you're not going to believe what Sierra just said to me. I'm thinking, oh, no. So this is in a text message. I saved it because it was just so most amazing. She said, um, she looked at me and she said, you have a big butt. I said, you're right. Can you help me get a smaller one? She said, yeah, we'll do some exercises. <laughs> <laughs> well, is that bullying or is that just telling That's it not like bullying, it but you know what? If I don't help her know the difference between being nice and, you know, keeping certain things to yourself, <laughs> over time it could turn into it. That's a good example. And, of course, she's doing it to an adult, so she's in the – so it's different also. She's not doing it with her peers. But that's what kids say. They tell the truth. They tell the truth. That's like out of the mouth of – I mean, I'm not saying that's bullying at all. But um, I do think that there's a – my daughter will say to me, if you – say that again, and I'm not – daddy's not coming to my birthday party. And you know what? That's not okay. But it's her way of – you know, she pushes, and they push each other. They do. Well, maybe literally pushing, too. That's another thing. If you see the kids playing together, I mean, and ostracizing one kid over another and not allowing them to play, does that happen? I forgot. Does that happen at four or five, like if you have a group of them? You know what? I think it does happen. I don't know. I'm not in the school to see it. Or if you, how about at your house? Do you have, do you have, are you oh, invite I mean, that doesn't five happen much in the house. I think, I think their boundaries are so clear with the parents oftentimes. And plus, uh, I have not seen that at my house. Well, good. But, I mean, you're going to see it. I mean, kids do that. It is, that they're learning their boundaries. But I do think there's yeah. something about at a young age, parents need to 
and teachers need to step in and help educate, you know, what's appropriate, what's not, because bullying just gets harder and harder and harder and bigger and bigger and bigger. I also think, yeah, parents have to say something. But one thing I can't, sometimes when I listen to parents talking to kids, and kids will say stuff like you just said, Sierra told her her nanny she has a big butt, and her nanny probably has a big butt and does have a big butt. Um, You want them to be able to, you don't want to tell them, you know, sometimes you hear parents saying to their kids, oh, that's not nice and be nice and be nice and be nice and sort of having the kid themselves stuff it in there. You've got no, to, I, think that's, that's I agree with that. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think that, you know, there's a way to say things kindly if you have to say it too. Um, but what, she wasn't not being nice. She was being truthful. Exactly. I'm never coming to visit you. <laughs> I'm afraid of what Sierra's going to say. That's <laughs> <laughs> right, because she's at the age where she just will say it. I know, you've warned me. Well, we're going to take a break a right now. We'll get back to this when we come back after the break. Lauren Beller-Blake, um, my co-host, president of BigFishNation.com, business coach, Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to us on VoiceAmericaVariety.com, World Talk Radio. Uh, don't go away. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Money. We love it, we hate it, and everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantia each week for the program, Making Peace with Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. Making Peace with Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. And if you're just joining us, my co-host, Lauren Beller-Blake, business coach and CEO of BigFishNation.com. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. And, Lauren, I have a question for you. Uh, I don't know if it's a question, but I was watching some of the TV shows this morning. And uh, they were talking about our economy and how terrible it is and people are responding by not buying a lot of stuff. Oh, I've been helping uh, out. Yeah, I've been doing down, my share. Have you? Yes, I have. Not buying stuff. No, my share and of buying. Of, but one of the things, of course, if you don't buy stuff, the businesses don't do well. I don't know how that works. But um, buying, instead of buying stuff, one of the psychologists who was on one of these shows said, and this really applies, I think, not to our generation, maybe the generation before, because they did this more, you buy experiences, not things. I totally agree with that. And I try to buy experiences, and I try to give experiences. I, you know, it's one thing, way back, that's what people, you know, when they talk about old money and new money, people with old money would do that. They would have small houses, but they would take wonderful trips, and they would spend money on good schools and spend money on good food even, good, you know, or good art or good music, but not things that you could see necessarily, like a huge SUV or a huge house or 14 bathrooms and, you know, that kind of stuff. I totally agree. I still think it's, I don't, it doesn't matter the generation. I think that we have to be thoughtful about the stuff that we buy. I try to buy, you know, I try not to buy so much stuff. I did, I've been buying recently all of a sudden just to whatever I am, but um, just getting organized, I guess, in the new house. You know, there's certain things that you want to help to organize, but um, I agree with you. I just, I always think about that when I'm giving a gift. What's the experience I want them to have versus the thing? I'm very, a lot of people probably don't like my gifts because I give experiences versus gifts. Those are the best kind, though. Cause I think get, so, too. Yeah. I mean, a birthday party, the kid's going to get five books or five dolls or whatever they give, right? Or if it's for grown-ups, you get get duplicate gifts, but a new ex- a new experience. Give somebody a new experience. Give them the monies or whatever it is or a certificate to, get, to have a new experience. I think it's great. I think so, too. I, just, I think it opens our world. So you said you like you're caught, you're doing that now. What have you done? Like you, because here you are. You moved to the West Coast. You bought it. You have a new house, or you have a house that you're renting, as you said. So what are you doing differently? Because you've moved around a lot. So now you're saying I'm not going to buy as much. I'm going to cut down. Like specifically, because if anyone's listening, they think, well, okay, what can I cut down on? And then I'll tell you the thing that I saw on one of these shows: a young couple how they cut down, but really significantly. Really? I'm, I'm yeah. curious to hear that because I don't think I'm cutting down as significantly as I'd like to. Well, first of all, I, I'm pretty minimalist. I mean, I, I buy food. I think that's an experience. I just like healthy, good food. And I probably spend more than the average person. I don't think. I know I spend more than the average person on food because I like to have healthy, fresh food in my house. Um, and I do spend so you're not t- someone who's going to say, well, I can't afford to buy vegetables. No. I mean, think about it. People saying, I can't afford to buy vegetables for my family and or fruits because they're too expensive. And sitting in their driveway are three gas-guzzling 
cars for the for the family, right? Absolutely. I will definitely spend money on food. That's, and that, to me, that's an experience, and that's um, an investment in my house and my family's health. For and sure. I spend money on good alcohol as well. <laughs> <laughs> that a good. I agree with you one hundred percent. No, not a rot gut bottle of wine, but a good bottle of wine. The be, you know, a nice bottle of wine or wines. The good alcohol, good food. Totally agree with you. Makes for a great experience. It does, and that's why we're experience. such good friends because we like to drink good vodka and you know. Exactly. I like the good stuff. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, speaking of that, I am going to teach my neighbor, my new neighbor. We drank way too much uh, homemade. I make. Did you know? You know, I'm going to teach you something about me. I make limoncello homemade. Really? I do, and I'm telling you, it is the best limoncello ever. So I shared it the other night. She went to Italy, and I said she brought home a bottle of limoncello and almost threw up. So I, t- you know, after tasting it, I said, "You got. I'm coming. I'm walking to my house. I'm going to get my bottle. It was my last bottle." I made it like 10 years ago, and it's my last bottle. I had like six of them. Keep them in the freezer. So what else do I do? I invest in limoncello and good food, good alcohol. I actually am not even about wine. You know, give me the good vodka, actually. Um, But I also, I do invest in technology. We talked about the Mac. You know, I do, I want, I like to keep up because I think that that helps me with save time. That's how I justify it. You know, having the good technology helps me keep my time moving, you know, so that it's not, I'm not hung up on old technology and slow systems. Yeah. Well, um, I don't think you have to make excuses for that, get new technology and getting the best equipment that you can get, because you're right, it keeps you connected, it keeps you updated, it I'm keeps not making a lot excuses. of things. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know what else I buy, and thanks to you, I buy a lot of books. So that's why I, inv- I just invested in my Kindle. It's on back order right now. So I just bought a bunch of books recently and said I wouldn't, and I did. But I was really wanting to read at the beach. So I got a couple books, and um, then I said, you know what? Here I am buying books. I need to go get that Kindle. So I did. So it's on back order. So when can you get your Kindle? I don't know. It's on back order. They said they'd email me by the end of the month. Did you get the up speaking updated? Because I know is this the newest version? This is the newest versions on back order. They're not. I think they're not even selling it yet. So the do the newest versions allow you to not exactly? I don't know about writing in the margins, but you know one of the things that I like to do in books. I have a yellow magic marker. Regular books, organic books. Uh, I. I like to take my yellow magic marker and I like to you know, underline things. I do the same thing. Yep. Yeah. So in the Kindle, is there, I somebody told me. I think me, you can do that. You can highlight you can and something. you can tab. I'm pretty sure. I'll let you know. Yeah, because I, I need to have that feature. If I don't, I actually can't read the book. Even if it's a book I'm reading on the beach for fun, it's just something that I have to do. I mean, like a stupid book, something is a beach book, you know, something that's kind of like inane, but I still need to like be able to underline it or to it yellow it. It take it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally get that. So yeah, that's, that's what I buy. Those are the, and I did buy something. I splurged last night, and I've been wanting this because it goes with my food. Um, I got a rice steamer and an electric wok because I just those meals. I love like Thai food, and I want to start making it. Why'd you get an electric wok as opposed to just a regular one? Well, I've been doing some reading on it. I went to a friend's house for dinner before in Austin, and she made she made this amazing meal. And she was using an electric wok, and I said, why the electric? She said she loves it so much better. It gets more evenly hot. So I got it. I, I loved it. It was so easy. And I watched her clean it. I'm like, this is really simple and easy. 
some of those other walks, the ones that aren't electric, you supposedly you're not even supposed to clean them with. I've heard too that. Soap and because it gets the soap it gets makes into it. The, yeah. Makes, yeah, you're supposed to let the kind of season the pot or season the walk, and it gets yeah, we'll seasoned. Out. And I did I did a lot of research on Amazon on the you know the different re- ratings and reviews. This one got it was less expensive and it had good reviews. And I just love that food. Sierra and I eat it all the time, like peanut sauces and stuff like that with fresh veggies and um, you know rice noodles. My favorite. I could eat that all the time. So I'm ready to be eating more like that because I usually only eat out like that. Well, see, when you buy the equipment, though, now you're going to do it because, I know. as you say, you're not going to just go out and yours will be better than when you eat out because I still say no matter how good the restaurant is, and I don't care if it's Thai food, Japanese food, steaks, there's something kind of like food enhancer tasting stuff that they I agree put with that. in the food, whether it's an extra bit of salt or sugar or you know, it's a lot a, of times in those restaurants they'll put MSG to get bring the flavor out, and I think you can taste it, or you can feel the after effects. Exactly, taste it. So, uh, but you, I never, you know, when I'm at home, it's it's totally different. Oh, so I'll be curious. So you're going to be doing Thai now. You can do Japanese. You can do a whole array of like different kinds of Asian cooking once you get that. No, and it's walk. my favorite, and it's not my husband. So it's something that you know Sierra loves it, and I love it. So it's something that I'll do what during he the week like? he's traveling. What is he like? You know, he is such a simple eater and is such an American, you know, temp- meat and potatoes kind of guy. But, you know, he's a t- he also really prefers a cooked meal when he comes home because he's been on the road for a week. So Eating we'll experiment. Home. He's going to have to eat a little bit of Asian now and then. It will be good for him. It's good for him. I agree. In the long run, it'll be really good because he's at that age, you know, heart disease, all that stuff. I, mean, I know. It up on you. Yeah. You really shouldn't be eating all the fat and the animal. Not that you can never have a steak, but you should... Or it should be limited. So that's All what I've been, been spending money on lately. And, so, and organizers, you know, things to organize stuff. Yeah, or get rid of the stuff. Get rid of or organize, yeah. I've, I've thrown away so much. I can't tell you. I love the, the – my new friend is the company that comes and picks up your garbage. Not garbage, really, but your stuff that you're donating, and they go sell it or whatever they do to make money with it. I think that's the best business to be in. I hired them to come over. I cleaned out my entire house like last year. I, this one, I think, was called One Eight Hundred Junk. <laughs> they, but they come in. They're not dressed in suits, but close to it. I mean, they're impeccably dressed. They do not look like you know people. I mean, picking up garbage or junk. And they come in, they take out whatever you want. You know, it's not like they sift through and say, well, I won't take this suit, but I'll take the TV. Or You point to it, they take it, they bring it out. They're like the cleaner, you know, and then that's it. And you pay them. Interesting. According- yeah, I've not heard of them. I have to see well, if they're here. I think they're, I think they're nationwide. And, and what, it, what they do is, I mean, they, they charge you quite a bit, and they charge you by the load, whatever you have. But they'll come and take out one TV, or they'll come out and take... A dozen televisions. Interesting. That's really good to know. It's good to know because it's a one-stop shopping thing. You know, it's not like they you differentiate. You don't have to load up your car with the junk. I had to put it out on my street, and then they just came and picked it up. This was some, like, church organization or something. I don't know who it was, really. Some group, you know, like for homeless. They do a lot of work for homeless. Yeah. I think these guys probably reconstitute some of it, and then they sell it. It's a bit, you know, it's a business. Interesting. Yeah, I think yeah. we have way too much stuff in this country. I think simple's better. I think less stuff in our houses, less stuff in our rooms. You know, when you have more stuff, you have more stuff to clean. 
I don't know. I just can't deal with it all. Oh, yeah. You have more stuff to clean. You have more of a relationship with your stuff, and you have less of a relationship with the people that you want to be with because you have to attend to your stuff. You have to fix it. You have to get other people to fix it, whatever you do. As you say, you have to clean it. You want to have more time for your family and your kids? Get rid of your your stuff. stuff. I agree with that. We're going to take a break right now. I'm Catherine Zox, your social... Am I? Am I... Is it a break? Yeah, it is. (laughs) Catherine Zox and Lauren Deller-Blake. I'm off on Cloud9, voiceamericavariety.com. Don't go away. She and I will be back in a minute. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, this is Dr. Vijaya Nair. Together with my dear friend, Dr. Howard Piper, we are hosting our own show called Kiss Your Life Hello. We are two internationally recognized experts, researchers, authors, and health advocates in holistic medicine and counseling. We promise you a fantastic show with interesting guest experts to educate and entertain you with the latest information on mind, body, and spirit wellness. Join us on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. See you there. If your pets could talk, they'd tell you to tune in to Pet Shop Talk. Join internationally recognized animal massage therapist Lola Jean Michelin every week for a show that covers everything from nutrition, health care, and training for your pet or animal. Lola and her guest experts will bring you the latest trends in the pet care industry. And even if you're not a pet owner, you'll find out why pets do the crazy things they do. Tune in each Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone with Lauren Deller-Blake, business coach. And you're listening to us on VoiceAmericaVariety.com, World Talk Radio. And our guest this morning is Jody Blanco. She is author of Please Stop Laughing at Me, One Woman's Inspirational Story. She's a survivor, expert, and activist, one of the country's preeminent voices on the subject of school bullying. Uh, welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Jody. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Great to have you. Okay, so you are one of the experts. You go around the country talking to, ch- to children, teachers, administrators, 
families about bullying, uh, obviously based on your experience and all that you've written about in this particular book. So um, tell us about, well, give us a little background in terms of you are a victim. Do I say the word victim? Is that politically correct? Yes, it's fine. Okay. Um, yeah, my story is kind of interesting. I'm 46 years old now, but from fifth grade through high school, I was the kid who just couldn't fit in. And I didn't fit in for the same reason so many other kids don't fit in and are brutalized by their peers today, simply for being different. And my school experience was awful and lonely and torturous. How were you different? Let's start start from how were you different? um, Well, the typical profile of the bullied student, and I certainly fit that profile, is what I call an ancient child. This is a kid who's kind of like a little adult trapped in a kid's body. Um, Like most bullied students today, I was old for my age, uh, had the sensitivity and compassion more like an adult than a kid, and even though I was desperate to fit in, I just couldn't connect with my peers, and they thought I was weird, and they put me through the ringer because of it. All right, so what would you do? Give us an example of, like, what would you do? I mean, you talk about it in the book, but uh, you're kind of an old soul, as you say, more sensitive, more adult-like. So what would you do that would... That would uh, the kids would take a look at your behavior, or and then decide, and then start bullying you. What would they? What would you? Typical example. I went to school in sort of affluent rural suburbia, and at the beginning of the school year, we always had a lot of great big crickets in the hallways because they'd get in, you know, when kids open the doors, and a lot of the kids would have a contest on who could, you know, who could smush the most crickets the fastest. And while all these kids were, were competing over who could stomp on the most crickets, I was the one racing all over the hallway, gathering them up into the palms of my hands and taking them outside and setting them safely in the grass. Now, that kind of empathy is a terrific quality to have when you're an adult, but as an adolescent, it made my classmates look at me oddly. But they did more than look at you oddly. I mean, (laughs) yeah. I mean, fundamentally, let me just sort of put it into context for you. I struggle to fit in because I'm an activist now. I fight for the underdog. I stand up for what I believe in, and I was exactly the same way as a child. And all the qualities that have made me very successful in my adult life were the kiss of death for me socially in my adolescent life. And so, Tony, when you when this happened to you, and okay, the kids are going after you. You're saving the the crickets, and they're squishing them. Or so you go home, you tell your mother, or do you tell your teacher, or do you keep it to yourself, or what did you do? Well, I did what so many other kids do today. At first, I told my parents, and I told my teachers, and my parents would would address the school, and they would say to the school, you know, kids are spitting in my daughter's food at lunch. They're writing nasty rumors about her on notebook paper, they're putting garbage in her locker, they're kicking her in the shins when she walks down the hallway, they're snickering at her when she raises her hand in class, she's miserable, coming home to tears every day, do something. And the typical response from administration was, well, there must be something wrong with Jody. And, but you have to understand something, I'm going to interrupt you now because I want to put this into context and you have to let me, okay? I will. We're talking about, this is 30 years ago, and 30 years ago, School bullying didn't even exist. I mean, it existed, but in the minds of most of American adults, it was kids being kids, a rite of passage. 
And today we have a much stronger awareness of it. But what's interesting is that, you know, everyone always asks me, because I was such a profound victim, I, I was so lonely as a kid. And normally I was rejected and ostracized for doing the right thing. And people ask me, is bullying worse today? It's not any worse today than it was 30 years ago, but the difference is today the weaponry to achieve it is so much more sophisticated with the Internet. Yeah. Yeah. So you're talking about cyberbullying. I mean, it's just it, it just gets magnified. It's right. It's it's uh, and then some horrific things have come from it. Kids. Well, the difference is this: thirty years ago, Catherine, if if someone wanted to start a rumor about you at school, they would write it down on a piece of notebook paper and pass it around math class, and that would be the end of it. Today, if you were in school. That same rumor could be uploaded to YouTube or texted to hundreds of phones simultaneously or emailed virally to thousands of other students or posted on a Facebook wall for the world to see. So the bullying today, because of the Internet, cuts a wider and deeper swath. And the other thing that's so profound is 30 years ago, when I was struggling to fit in and getting brutalized by my classmates, at least when I got home at night, I may not have been able to escape the loneliness, but I could escape the abuse. Now, kids can't do that. The minute they turn on their computer, they're assaulted. So it's, what, it's, it's, can it's it work world. So could it work, Jody, in their favor? Because as, as people are, you know, as, as the abuse is getting magnified on the Internet, perhaps the person who's being abused can get support on the Internet, that there would be more support to sort of... Uh, I would say no, because no. the problem with that is the Internet is anonymous. So what happens is these kids are looking for... They may look for support on the Internet, but can you never really trust if it's legitimate support or if it's just somebody at school messing with them yet again? And I don't think that anonymous support over a computer screen does jack. I think that you need the support and social interaction of real peers who really care about you in real social circumstances. All right, so from a practical point of view, what do you do? You have a kid, you think, you have, as a parent, you think, you have some sense that maybe your kid is being bullied, but you're not sure. What do you do? Do you, how do you handle it? Do you ask them? Do you go to their, I mean, you suggest even in your book maybe uh, looking at their emails, which kind of goes against my grain in terms of privacy, but... Um, Talk to us about that, the, the solution. Right, well, then you're going to consider me a very controversial guest. <laughs> That's okay. Because the first thing I'm going to tell you is that I don't think that privacy should be a right when you're a child. Privacy is a right after you hit the age of 18. But before the age of 18, I believe that privacy is a privilege. And if a child is abusing that privilege to bully or assault another student via the Internet, then that privilege needs to be revoked until that child can earn it back. And, the, and, if, and, and, and there, are, there are now services out there that are very effective at honoring a child's privacy without jeopardizing their safety. One such service is called Social Shield, and it's amazing because what these guys do is if you're a parent, you subscribe. It's like $10 a month, and if you have your child's username and password for like their Facebook account, they can sort of monitor your child's activity from a dignified distance and will alert you if something is happening that isn't kosher, that looks a little dicey. So they're one option out there. But 
Um, if, in terms of cyberbullying, if you're a parent, this is what you have to but do. But I just want to respond to that, Jody, because what? Okay, let's say you do the social shield, and they alert parents as to what's happening. I mean, you could one piece of that is you could you can tell your child that you are doing that, so that that's okay too, isn't it? That you are aware of what they're doing on the net and. Well, certainly. I mean, look, I, I think parents, in today's world, you cannot be a wimpy parent, nor can you be a cryptic one. You have to be straight up about what you're doing, and you've got to communicate with your kid, and you've got to be their parent first and not their friend first. And one of the ways you do that, and especially relevant to the whole bullying subject, is you've got to be straight up with your kid. You've got to say, listen, there are a lot of dangers on the Internet, cyberbullying only being one of them. There are sexual predators on the Internet. There are people who may not have your best interests. There are people who lie about their identity on the Internet to be friends with you. So this is a service. We're not going to be in your face. I'm not going to friend you on Facebook. It's just a way for mom and dad to sort of monitor you from a distance to make sure you're safe. Like when we go to the beach and you go swimming and I'm sort of sitting on the stand but I can see you in the water, it's the same thing. Yeah, and that, that's a that's a great example, I think. Uh, but what about? I mean, it sounds to me like parents need a whole new kind of parenting book to to uh, kind of guide them to be able to do this because of the internet. I mean, it's, well, I it's, think that I, I think here's the bottom line: whether it's cyberbullying or whether your child is being bullied at school. To go back to your initial question. This is what parents need to do. Step number one: you have to have an open, non-judgmental dialogue with your kids. If you suspect that your kid is being bullied or that maybe your kid is one of those mean, popular kids that I call elite tormentors, sit your child down, look them in the eye, and ask them, what's up? What's going on? And make them sit there until they give you an answer. Believe me, the kid may get squirmy, your child may get a little uncomfortable, but if you sit there long enough and patiently enough, they will open up. The problem isn't usually the impatience of children. It's usually the impatience of parents. Their child doesn't open up in the first five minutes, and so they give up. You can't. We're going to have to take a break right now, and I want to obviously continue with that because I have another question about that. Uh, We are listening. You are listening to Catherine Sox, your social worker with a microphone, with Lauren Beller-Blake, my business coach, VoiceAmericaVariety.com. We're talking to Jody Blanco, author of Please Stop Laughing at Me, which is one woman's inspirational story. Uh, We'll be back in a minute. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. Best Boomertowns delivers the inside scoop on the best 21 places to relocate or retire in the U.S. Listen to columnists, town bloggers, and local residents as we highlight a town each week. Talk show host Nancy Shaka brings you the best and the brightest. As a baby boomer, you experienced Beatlemania, Woodstock, Vietnam, and the women's movement. Today, you're educated, health-minded, and thinking about where to spend your future. Tune in at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, to Best Boomer Towns every Thursday on the Voice America Variety Channel and start planning the best rest of your life. 
Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your teams. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Your social worker with a microphone with my co-host Lauren Beller Blake, and you are listening to Voice America Variety.com World Talk Radio, and we are talking to Jody Blanco, author of Please Stop Laughing at Me. Uh, this is her story. It is an inspirational story about her personal experiences with bullying. But having said that, uh, Jody, now talk to us about the specific today definition of bullying. What is the definition? And if we think we, as you say, I think before we took the break, if we have a child who we may be the bully or the bullier, what do we look for? What are the signs? What are the symptoms? Okay. First of all, you know, I travel across the nation's schools sharing my story uh, with students, teachers, and parents to motivate change. So I'm experiencing bullying, not just from my own past and the wisdom therein, but also because I witness it and I see it in schools across America. And I always tell kids when I'm doing my student workshops and gyms coast to coast that bullying just isn't the mean things you do. It's all the nice things you never do. Letting someone sit alone at lunch, letting someone walk to class alone, always excluding the same person over and over. And that in many ways is worse than overt abuse because the chronic exclusion that makes the victim say to himself, there must be something wrong with me, and they will carry that self-doubt all through adulthood. Um, and the, the other thing about bullying that, that a lot of adults don't understand is they always assume the image of a schoolyard bully. Well, the schoolyard bully who's stealing everybody's lunch money isn't doing any long-term damage to anyone because he's picking on everyone indiscriminately. It's when a group of kids that everybody adores, including the adults, who are popular and participate in activities and do well in school and look nice. I call them the elite tormentors, the mean popular kids. It's when a group of popular kids who are mean single out someone who's different for whatever reason, and they make that kid's life a subtle living nightmare. They exclude him. They roll their eyes when he raises his hand in class. They avoid, they avoid eye contact with him. They never let him sit with them at lunch. That's the kind of bullying that parents need to be really vigilant about and take seriously. And the insidious part of this, 
Okay, so when we take it seriously, and as you say, you're pointing out it can be insidious. It's not so obvious. It's not hitting you over the head with a baseball bat. It's Mm -hmm. very different than that. Okay, then what do you do? How do you deal with it? Well, take it from the parents to the teacher or the principal, or whose problem is it to deal with it? Well, it's, it's everyone's responsibility. And the first thing you do as a parent is you have to sit down with your child, look them in the eye, and ask them questions very non-judgmentally. What's up? Something is wrong. Something's going on. And you're not getting out of this chair until you open up to me. Eventually, if you sit there long enough, your child will open up. Secondly, if you're going to approach the school, you start with the counselor and you work your way up. And if the school stonewalls you, which sometimes they will do, you keep working your way up, even if it means going to the monthly school board meeting and presenting publicly. And if that yields no response, then go to the local education writer at, at, for your local paper. Believe me, when you start talking to reporters, you'd be amazed how quickly you get a response from a school district. But most schools really do take an interest. They really do want to help. But you have to be vigilant. You just can't make a phone call, have one meeting, and then let it go. As a parent, you have to be vigilant in your follow-through. So in your experience, because you go across the country and you speak to all of the students and and, uh, and the teachers and administrators, um, are there particular school systems that you found who handle this better than others? I mean, urban schools, suburban schools, or is there no difference or the, the type of well, makeup of the school? That's an interesting question. And um, I find that it, there, whether it's urban or suburban or private or parochial, um, they all are a mixed bag. What defines how a school is in terms of their adroitness handling bullying incidents, what defines it is the personality and character of the superintendent and the principal. If they're caring and committed and creative, then the school has a much better record of dealing with bullied kids. If they're old-fashioned or have their heads in the sand, then you have a lot more suffering kids in that particular district. It really emanates directly from the commitment and character of the administrators. And the other thing I want to get in here, which is really important, is that if you're a parent, and this could save a life, if you're a parent and you have a child that may not even be a victim of overt bullying, but they're kind of invisible at school, the first thing you need to do is contact the local park district or the library, the nearest next town over that doesn't feed into your child's school district, get a list of their organized activities for kids, review it with your child, and choose an activity your child would enjoy. It could be anything from teen community theater and taekwondo to a reader's club because the bully child is bleeding, and they're bleeding in the form of loneliness. And, yes, you're going to need to deal with the school, but before you deal with the problem, you need to tend to your bleeding child and get your child an interim social life to buy you the time to deal with the larger issues because a lonely child is a child in, in imminent danger. All right, so, and you do have control as a parent. You do have control over that in terms of interacting with your child and putting them in the best environment that you can at the same time, as you say, working with the public, working with the administration. You may also, do you, have you had this experience? Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there are certain teachers 
in certain school systems who are much more empathetic or sympathetic or have a much better read, perhaps, on what's happening to the children. And it would seem to me involving them in the process, as you, if, if you're having difficulty with the superintendent or with the principal, involving them in the process of trying to recognize the problem of bullying in their school and doing something about it. You can do that, and certainly there are empathetic teachers, but it's more than empathy that you need out of a teacher. You need teachers who are willing to stick out their necks and really sacrifice to help a student in peril. And I really found that a lot of educators, a lot of teachers are drawn to their vocations because they're adult survivors of peer abuse. They were bullied when they were kids, and they never really got over the residual impact, and so they're drawn to education to kind of right that wrong. And some teachers, especially the ones who were bullied in school, they bring a whole different kind of sensitivity to the fore. And if you're a parent, you absolutely want to enlist the support of any teachers who are willing to stick out their neck to administration and fight for your child. And then, since we only have a couple minutes left, because I want to get, you know, this is obviously your personal story of bullying in, in the book, um, you also say, and, and address this, even, you went through this horrific um, experience during your childhood, middle school, and high school, but it's also what made you strong. It made you who you are today in a positive way. Yes. Well, I'm an adult survivor of peer abuse, and, and an adult survivor of peer abuse is someone who is chronically bullied or excluded and who carries the residual wounds of those experiences. I'm an adult survivor. It affects my life, but the reason that I'm grateful for what happened to me as a kid is because it has given me a purpose as an adult. I mean, I've, I've done my day-long in-school anti-bullying program called It's Not Just Joking Around, for over half a million people in this country. And I get emails all the time, you know, from parents saying, you know, you saved my child's life, you know, my child has hope because they know if you got through it, so can they. And it's that kind of thing that keeps me going. I mean, I won't lie. It's, it's exhausting work, reliving my past all the time. But I really do feel like I'm making a difference, and I'm grateful for my past and wouldn't change a thing because if it were different, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Yeah, you wouldn't be saving lives, and and mm-hmm. and which you obviously are. Um, you have a website which I suggest that listeners visit, which is Jody, and I have to spell it J O D E E Blanco B A B L A N C O dot com. Right for more information, we can get you know if we kind of whetted their, hopefully their appetite today, but uh, they really need to go to your website to um, and, and to be updated. Uh, as right. To what's if, um, if there's a couple things, if you go to my website, if anyone is interested in bringing me to speak at the, a school in your community, it's a very simple process. Just go to my website and contact my office. And I also have a community forum and a blog on the website where you can meet other um, adult survivors of peer abuse, other educators and parents and students, where you can have a really comforting and informative dialogue with others going through the same thing. Well, you truly are inspirational, not just in your book, but also in what you've shared with us today. So, Jody, thanks so much for being on the show. Um, Jody Blanco, please stop laughing at me, one woman's inspirational story. Um, and you, as I said, you are truly, you are an inspiration, and you are out there saving lives. So if anybody wants to have Jody and you want to have her come and speak at your school, uh, go to the website, jodyblanco.com. 
Thank you so much, Catherine. It was an honor to do the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. Great. Thanks. That's great. She, uh, she, jo, she's doing such great work. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it's it. Unfortunately, I, I think the you know the problem it gets worse and worse unless you have people stand up and stand out and obviously the she you know which is what she's doing. Anyway, we have to say goodbye. All right, my dear. Thank you again so much. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Lauren Beller Blake, Catherine Zox. You're listening to us on VoiceAmericaVariety.com, or you have listened to us this morning and on World Talk Radio. Hope you had a great day, and we'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.